Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered Sit Rep, a weekly show where our hosts, Blaine, Matt, and Treg, will go over the Montreal Canadiens' news, notes, and rumors, and provide you an unfiltered take. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. Welcome to the first ever... Habs Unfiltered Sip Rep. I'm your host this week, Blaine Pudbang, and uh, I'm going to be going through some Habs news, notes, and rumors uh, that were bandied around the league. So uh, in this week's Montreal Canadiens news and rumors rundown, uh, there's news on Jonathan Drouin. Will he be ready for the play-ins? Can he help the Canadiens make a surprise push? Will the Canadiens finally regain an ECHL affiliate? Uh, is Shane got this bear on his way out of Philly? Uh, what does it look like if Carl Alsner is bought out? And then some fun news. So let's just jump right in. 
The first point, Jonathan Drouin's injury situation. So before Drouin went down with a wrist injury uh, it, that required surgery, uh, that took three months of recovery and rehab, and then a subsequent ankle injury, uh, before all of that, Drouin was playing his best hockey as a Montreal Canadian. He had uh, 17 points in about 20-ish games. Uh, sorry, 15 points in 17 games. Uh, and immediately after he went down with injury, the Canadians' troubles truly began. That uh, that last game that he played in in Washington, they had just taken out a powerhouse with a dominant game. And then it was a Jekyll and Hyde. The entire Montreal Canadiens uh, lineup turned into mush and went on this big eight-game losing skid before doing another eight-game losing skid with a five-game losing skid in between. So essentially... The Canadians had a hard time winning games. Now, I'm not saying it's just because they lost Drouin. Armia was out. There were other injury woes. But when the team was healthy and he was playing well, they were clicking. Now, uh, thanks to a long layoff due to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, Drouin had a quick little interview with the CanadiansNHL.com team, and he had said, I had the ankle and wrist injuries, but now both are healed. I can arrive at work and focus on hockey without needing treatments, which is good news for me. So yes, um, being able to train without worrying about the injuries or needing to do two hours of, of, uh, of rehab before you can start working on what you need to work on is a big bonus for any athlete. So uh, if Drew I can return to the form he had at the start of the season, uh, that would be a major help for adding the necessary scoring depth to a lineup that is going to be in tough against a healthy Pittsburgh Penguins team. Uh, they're looking for their fourth Stanley Cup in the Crosby era, and they the Penguins finished seventh before all this happened, and they had a ton of injuries. Now, keep in mind, they are a much deeper hockey team than the Montreal Canadiens. They have Crosby and Malkin as a 1-2, uh, they made a bunch of of uh, trade deadline acquisitions, which included Patrick Marlowe as a veteran depth. So do not underestimate the Pittsburgh Penguins when it comes to making a long, deep run towards the Stanley Cup. That being said, if the Canadians play their best hockey, they could possibly win. I mean, look at the miracle run they had in 2010 where they took out Pittsburgh and Washington. So we can't uh, never say never, but even if the Canadians lose, as long as they come in healthy and they do their, uh, they, they show that they can stay in tough with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that bodes well for the Canadians future, especially with so much youth uh, on this squad. It's an experience that will help them in the long run. Moving on, uh, the ECHL affiliation. So I've been following this closely all year. Uh, I'm sure many of you have as well. Now, I think the best source that I have found has been Steve T- uh, Turcott of Le Nouvelliste. It's a uh, local newspaper out of central Quebec, uh, out of Trois-Rivières. And he's been following the saga of the Canadians' attempts to get an ECHL affiliate in Trois-Rivières. I call it a saga because there's... There's been a lot of missteps 
and setbacks, major leaps forward, major leaps, leaps back. So at one point, the chances of a deal were thought to be completely dead. Uh, but former Montreal Canadian, Marc-Andre Bergeron, and who is also, by the way, a native of trois and sports consultant Mark Waitman, um, they were brought in to open lines of dialogue with the city of trois and its mayor. Uh, after a mid-May meeting, which was around the 20th of May, uh, the tone changed completely into a hopeful one, according to Belgeron. So I'm quoting Marc-Andre Bergeron on this. It remains a complex file due to the implications of concessions, event planning, and ticket sales. Uh, there are points to discuss before it can be all put together, but I am confident we're going in the right direction. So that's a big step forward from a time when uh, the thinking was that the Canadians' ECHL affiliation or chances of having an ECHL team in Trois-Rivières were dead, and that the UQTR Patriot, we're going to be moving into that new new Colisée in Trois-Rivières. Now, just one month after that meeting, that happened on the 20th of May, uh, the new arena project in that city, which is still, by the way, under construction, has already begun work on massive remodeling work. Work that's costing well past a million dollars. Now, I'm going to translate this from French. Uh, Steve Kurt, uh, Turcotte had said, if everything goes well before the summer holidays, the city of trois and the East Coast Hockey League promoters will have signed a deal to bring a franchise to town for the 2021-2022 season. Keep in mind, that's not this season. That is the following season. The arena is not quite ready yet. It wasn't supposed to be ready until uh, December. Now there's, with these added remodels, which are costing money, you can only assume that these remodels for new uh, new luxury boxes, more seating perhaps, uh, perhaps added dressing rooms, this way it could accommodate two, ma- major, uh, uh, two major teams in its, in its home. Um, basically, this bodes really well for the Canadians who have been desperate to build a more extensive minor league system. Uh, and this is to accommodate that massive influx of draft picks that uh, Bergevin has been adding since the beginning of that quote-unquote reset plan. Uh, I call it reset because that's what uh, Molson mentioned in his press conference when he gave the uh, vote of confidence to Mark Bergevin. Um, not to mention having a place to play some of the uh, younger players that need more ice time uh, instead of carrying a, a roster of 35 players for Laval you can add 15 down in uh, in Trois-Rivières and it would also give a chance for the Canadians to sign local francophone talent that may not have been drafted so that they can bring them in give them a chance to prove themselves and possibly move up the ranks. So a David Dernay situation. He signed with the Canadians as a free agent, played in Cincinnati, and moved his way up until he became the de facto number one centerman for the Montreal Canadiens. Moving on. Uh, the Shane Gottesberg rumors. So in a uh, Flyers mailbag, 
Sam Carcidi, pardon me, Sam Carcidi was asked which Philadelphia Flyers player was most likely to be traded. Um, and he mentioned defenseman Shane Gottisbeer. And he said he had had two consecutive subpar seasons, but still had loads of potential. Um, it's true that Gothisbear had peaked out at about 50 to 60 points. And then the last couple of seasons, he's had some injury woes. His point totals have gone down. But you got to keep in mind as well, uh, his playing time has gone down as players like Provenov, they've stepped up. The Flyers' depth on the left side of their defense is very good. So this makes it possible that he is on the trade block. Um, so Sam Carcidi mentions that a second round pick or potential 20 goal scoring winner winger could get that deal done. Uh, you may ask, why is this Montreal Canadiens related? Well, got this bear fills a specific need for the Canadians as he's a puck moving left-handed defenseman, something that clearly Bergevin has been unable to find for someone who can fill in a top four pairing. Um, also, he's been connected to the Canadians in the recent past. Uh, Eric Engels has written about this at length. Uh, how could Bergevin add a top four defender? Uh, I've written about this uh, with the hockey writers. So has uh, my co-host, Treg Wilson. Um, now, with the Canadians holding three second round picks at this 2020 draft, there is a deep prospect pool. Uh, I, I know there's some discussion as to whether or not it's a good prospect pool, but experts who follow prospects at many different sites, at many different channels, uh, they have all placed the Montreal Canadiens in the top five in the NHL. So it's a deep enough prospect pool. So they have several prospects that they could possibly use in a package. Uh, not to mention the cap space that the Canadians hold uh, about 16 to 20 million based on what the cap hits going to, what the cap is going to be. So if it stays flat at a 1.5, it's about 16. If it does go up, it'll be about 20. Uh, there's some debate on that uh, based on incomes and the pause from the pandemic. So let's pretend it's flat. We'll say 16 million is available to the Canadians next year. And there's only Domi and uh, Mete as the major RFAs to resign. Now, Gothis Bear has a cap hit of $4.5 million and three years left. So there is room. The Canadians have the assets, they have the cap space, and they have the need. So until Gothis Bear is traded somewhere else, or the Canadians find something different to fill that need, these rumors are going to persist. The next one is Carl Alsner. Is he a bio candidate? So Sean Leahy over at NBC Sports generated a power ranking of bio candidates. And lo and behold, Carl Alsner topped the list. Now, um, as I mentioned, there's questions on what the salary cap is going to be next year. So it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to predict whether or not Alsner will be bought out this year. Um, the cap hit, if he were bought out this summer or at the end of the playoffs or whenever they decide to do an offseason, uh, his bio will be a cap hit of about $3.9 million, 
which is approximately what the Canadians are paying him uh, to to be buried in Laval. Uh, now, it's going to take four years because there's two years remaining on his contract. So the second season of his buyout will be about 1.95. Uh, and the last two seasons of his buyout will be 833000 So he'll go from 3.9 down to 1.9 down to 833. So what does that mean for the Canadians and their their cap? Well, as I mentioned, Domi and Mete are their RFAs that they need to resign. Then they're going to be looking at players such as Kotniemi, uh, Gallagher, Tatar, Petrie. So they're going to need cap space. Not this coming season, but the following one. So it could be a very helpful thing to buy out Carl Alsner. Keep in mind, Alsner, even though he's not helping the Canadians that much, he is down in Laval and he is playing a mentorship role for their young prospects. And we've seen some improvements in their defensive prospects, uh, such as Fleury. Fleury came up, had a great camp, and, and you can see that there's there's room for improvement, but he made a massive leap forward. Uh, Josh Brook is another one that's, he's slow to improve uh, for the fans' liking, but he has been improving. So that's something that management's going to have to weigh one way or the other if they're going to keep uh, keep uh, Alsner or not. And uh, finally, Yupi has been ma- named to Mascot Hall of Fame. So the Canadian's official mascot has become the first character from a Canadian-based hockey club, or really any club, to be introduced into the Mascot Hall of Fame. So Yupi got his start with the uh, Montreal Expos back in 79. And most people still really identify with him as an Expos mascot. Rightfully so. He's been around for 40 years, and the majority of that has been with the Expos. So, yeah, people are going to identify with that. Unfortunately, the Expos left town, which pains me because I haven't watched baseball since. But as soon as they left town, the Canadians adopted Yuppie and gave him a new home. And since that time in 2005, Yuppie's um, been amazing for the Canadians. And he is their first mascot, uh, so he's giving everybody what they need. Um, a little note on Yuppie. He was the first mascot to be thrown out of a Major League Baseball game uh, when he jumped on the Los Angeles Dug- uh, Dodgers dugout. And Tommy Lasorda, the then manager back in 1989, complained to the umpires, and Yuppie got tossed. Also, Yuppie is one of only three mascots to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So this is his second Hall of Fame induction. Suck on that, Gritty. The crack cousin of Yuppie. You may not believe it, but just take a look at the two of them side by side. Yuppie's that healthy employed mascot and then you look at you look at gritty and you're thinking what the hell's wrong with this guy look at him it's the cousin who makes meth in his basement that's the difference so this that was this week's Habs sit rep from Habs unfiltered I hope that this gave you some information uh, I know it wasn't it wasn't as peppy as our normal episodes 
that come out on the uh, on the weekends. But um, well, without uh, without Treg and Matt here, I have no one to pick on other than myself, and that's just that would just be weird. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, let us know. Contact us at the Habs Unfiltered uh, Twitter account. The DMs are open. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Habs Unfiltered and on Instagram. Uh, again, messages and DMs are open. So if you have suggestions, uh, questions, anything you want to ask us or tell us, throw it in there. Uh, keep in mind, if you're just going to troll us, uh, we don't mind. But just be ex- just expect some fun back. So keep it light. Keep it fun. Uh, keep safe. Wash your hands. Social distance. And hopefully all of this stuff comes to an end soon. We will see you at our next episode. Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni Keeper is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER and win. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.